Ooh, another tiring week for me, Matthew. I've been at a very specialist school where I was either skilled or maybe I wasn't naturally skilled at the particular thing that they do there. Um, that's interesting. Um, what what do they do at this particular school? I don't know. I was uh, uh, well, it's vaguely related to this week's film, but I was going to say podcasting. Um, but I don't know if I am good or not. Well, if you're at a school for podcasting, surely you'd be the teacher. Because... I'd be the, the king of every. No, well, you know I don't what? know about that. Well, I've heard that that everyone who listens to this podcast leaves five star reviews. I've and, heard that too. You know that that would be, you know, professor level podcast teaching. I perhaps I should teach my own class how to vaguely know what you're talking about um yeah that'd be good that so yeah um so everyone this is the intro bit we're going to be doing pray for the devil that was a subtle hint for you to do five star reviews it was um, subtle wasn't it yeah it was very subtle um what but what you should do is you should also join um the facebook groups and stuff we have started a patreon and soon we're going to be getting some content up there um, and when we do, we'll tell you what's on there. And then you can come over and join us and say, oh, yes, this is interesting. Or or not. Um, yeah. yeah we've, got um, a few little, so we've got a few little things cooking there. Yeah, Cooking in this horror kitchen. In this horror kitchen. Well, that said, then, while the kitchen's fired up, let's go make the horror sandwiches. Delicious. Hello everyone and welcome to Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast and the world's premier kitchen for horror sandwiches. Now what are horror sandwiches, I, I hear you ask kindly at the counter. Well let me tell you, In the, there's a lovely movie filling in the middle surrounded by two slices of bready chatty goodness. Doesn't have to be bready, you know, if you're not into all bread, but it could be a lettuce wrap. Uh, I, get off the sandwiches. My name's Mark, and as always, I'm joined by Matthew. Um, Hello. For some reason I said as always then, that was a bit weird. Um, and hello to you. Hello to you. Oh, no. Hello. How are you doing? I'm all right this week, thank you. Um, ready and raring and riding, uh, I'm not quite sure. Uh, I just went for three hours there, one of them was riding, Um I'm not currently right. I'm sitting on a chair. Um, you're, you're triple R. You're going to be throwing, overthrowing the British Empire. Yeah, uh, maybe. As, as one of my favourite films from last year. Oh, lovely. Um, so, oh, that, this is your preamble, right? Because I've got, uh, I've got a request from my, oh, okay. from my son. Um, is this for me? No, it's well. Oh, it's it's, it's for general us. for the listeners. It's for the podcast. Oh, he's, okay. He's made demands on us. Um, I mean, we probably would have done it anyway. But uh, so in October, there's a Five Nights of Freddy movie coming out. Uh, okay. 
as you know, based on the game. Yeah. And he's demanded that we watch and review that. Um, so, uh, but he was also very specific to say that I had to tell you who on this podcast. Um, okay. Well, I, you know, I'm, he like he knows what he wants. That's yeah. that's admirable. Of course, we'll be happy to oblige. Is he going to be joining us for it though? I wouldn't have thought so. No, he's he's seven, and um, I'm not even sure why he knows what Five Nights of Freddy at Freddy's is. It's a quite marketable though, isn't it? They have like toys and stuff like that. So it's it's a surprising horror thing that sort of started off as a sort of jump scare game and has made it into sort of. <sighs> A younger culture, really, Five Nights at Freddy's. It's done quite well for itself to start as a weird sort of mobile game or or whatever it was to. Bit of a juggernaut now. You think it's going to be as good as Wally's Wonderland? Uh, I honestly don't know. Well, it hasn't got Nicolas Cage in it, so no. It, it doesn't. That's, that's its main drawback. Yeah, yeah. It's quite interesting, actually, because um, Five Nights at Freddy's has got loads of lore behind it. Um, so I'll be curious to find out what they do with the film, whether they um look into that or whether they just stick with something that's more related to the first game. But it's interesting, a teaser trailer has dropped for it, so um, yeah, it's a, it's a Blumhouse one, isn't it? They're, they're it is Blumhouse, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so that's interesting for them. Have they have they handled existing IP before? Mm. I'm not sure. Well, I'm not unless you count Halloween, I suppose. Um, yeah, I would probably say that, yeah, that's that's the closest they've come to off the top of my head. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It looks good. I think it actually looks pretty good. Um, as I say, my son has, has make it, made demands of me, that, that or us, should I say, uh, that we watch it and that I also mention it on today's podcast. So there you go. That's your sort of Teaser for October and um, a little bit like preamble, that wasn't it? Yeah, well, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I don't, don't really know anything about Five Nights at Freddy's. I'm not, you know, I've seen the, you know, I kind of know the look of it and, you know, I've seen it in game and whatnot, but, and, and very vague idea. So I'm looking forward to it. I think with with video game movies like this, you're probably better off not knowing anything about them because they're usually terrible, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they are, yeah. Um, no, I'm interested. I'm actually really looking forward... Well, well, I'm looking forward to it now because I think that my... Uh, I, I, I'm presuming it's not going to be like a PG or anything, so um presuming that my son won't be able to see it. But um, I'm sure he'll uh, be excited to hear what I thought of it. I just go into the cinema, stick him on your shoulders with a the big trench coat, you'll get in no problem. Yeah. That's funny that actually, um, a friend of mine text this evening, said, uh, he was like, guess who I saw in the gym. And was I, it his son? And well, no, but he didn't respond straight away. So one of the answers I put was two kids in a trench coat pretending to be a man. <laughs> so good that. Um, well, anyway, so enough about what we're going to see. Let's uh, let's get into this first slice of bread and talk a little bit about what we have seen. Um, so yeah, this is the the Mark recap uh, because as listeners will will regular listeners will know, I, I've been in the process of moving house. I can finally say it's completed. 
we are we are done. I'm in there right now. Uh, I'm recording in my brand new home office slash podcast studio. Uh, but because of that, uh, I've been doing all manner of you know packing, unpacking, DIY, and I have not watched a single film uh, until today's film since last uh, last episode. Uh, I saw the devil. So this is this is going to be entirely on Mark, and he's probably going to tell me what I should be watching next. So, well, actually, I'm I, on tenterhooks. I am going to um, break some rules here by one talking about a television series, and two, it won't be horror. Um, oh, <laughs> but I just thought I'd mention that um, I started watching um, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. Which, uh, if you don't know what that is, it's set sort of 10 years before the Kirk Star Trek, basically. So it's Captain Pike, and uh, you've still got Spock on there, and some of the uh, cast you'd expect from the Enterprise are sort of new um, new there. So, like, Lieutenant Uhura is a recruit and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it's really just a really beautiful show. It looks fantastic. Um, how they've managed to make it look beautiful and futuristic while still managing to maintain a sort of, you know, old school starship. It's it's it it, it it's real good stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm not. I haven't watched Star Trek to, since the Next Generation, but uh, I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about how good it was. So I thought I'd go into it and uh, yeah, they were right. It's good. And it's only like 10 episodes. So you don't have to commit yourself to a massive season. Although I think that's become the norm now, hasn't it? Like 10 episodes, I think. Uh, yeah. I'm all here for it. Yeah. <laughs> me, me too. Yeah. I'm so happy that we've moved into uh single or, or low teens for a uh, number of episodes because just whenever I, I want to get into a TV show, I think, oh, there's six series and they're all 23 episodes long. I'm just like, oh, no, no, straight away. I'm just not getting invested in that. That's too much. <laughs> yeah, I think I think TV series now tend to have a sort of an overarching plot that, that goes throughout the whole thing instead of a lot of sort of freak of the week type things. But that's Star, this Star Trek does a good thing of, of having that sort of, this is what's happening this week, but here's the larger picture. So anyway, yeah, um, anyway, Star Trek. But let's get off that and talk about horror movies because uh, that's what people our, our are, bread and butter. That's what people are here for. So um thing is, I have... Um, uh, Oh no, maybe not. I was gonna say it's um I've got a I've got a lot, but um all right, well let's do um have you seen Prevenge? That feels like a film you might have seen. Prevenge, that uh I think I know the film. Is it the one with Alice Law? Yes, um, the one with the one from um yeah, the one from Sightseers. Um, yeah, in dark place as well. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I know the film, but I've not seen it. No, well, um, it's basically uh, a woman who's pregnant, and her her baby is telling her to kill people inside 
the the belly and um it's it is a horror comedy um it's entertaining enough but it's not as funny as it thinks it is which is a shame i think alice lowe you just said she's funny and i think she's funny to watch but the whole film itself surrounding it is not as funny as it could be but um i guess for a horror film how funny do you want it but the kills are good and uh it it goes along at a decent pace so yeah that was a good one um well i gave it a three star so i guess it's a new it's spooky okay yeah that's uh yeah it's well like I say, it's one that I'm aware of and been keen on. So, yeah, I should get around to that. Um, a film that I thought I'd seen but uh, clearly hadn't was A Clockwork Orange. Um, oh, very good. Which, um, yeah, I was sure that I had watched it, but um, as soon as I started it, I like, I think I've, you know, sort of almost by osmosis, um, just absorb some of this film without actually seeing any of it really and uh, I thought it was amazing I really really enjoyed it. it it's it's a bit of a the only thing that I find very odd about the film is that the main character is Alex the large um yeah it is yeah yeah he for such a ultraviolent awful person you find yourself rooting for him quite a lot um <laughs> which uh, is, I guess, almost a genius of Kubrick. But one of the other things I really liked about it was that obviously it's got this weird sort of alternate language. And I love the way that the alternate language, despite the fact that it is different, is not hard to fathom. Um, yeah, it was, it was really good. Really good. I, I enjoyed that. That was a five-star movie for me. That, so that was a creative psychopath. Yeah, so it's, it's one of my all-time favourites of The Clockwork Orange as well. And of the just this bizarre world that exists in, you know, like you say, with the language and the the outfits and the the decor of everything, it just feels so just entirely alien. Uh, yet, like you say, you kind of you know you kind of just know what's going on. You kind of just you feel it and. Yeah, I think what he says about the genius of Kubrick, but Malcolm McDowell puts so much into the character as oh, well. Oh, yeah, he's fantastic, yeah. And, and and it's so necessary because, you know, if the character is as thoroughly irredeemable as as he should be, you know, without that, that performance, you know, the whole second half of the film, it becomes gleeful rather than this commentary on state cerebral violence and it's that's how we you know that, that's where the, the film's so good because it because it gives you something so evil in the first half and then does something so evil to him in the second half you kind of always you know thrown around with it and yeah, the real horror of the film for me is is where it leaves you with that morality. You know, when it it strips people of their ability to to perform their their base desires, and while 
they're stripped of the ability to do evil. It, they're kind of stripped of the humanity in doing so. And it's, you know, it raises these awful ethical questions that you just can't really answer. And it's, yeah, it, it's, it's very shiver inducing because of that. Yeah, very clever. Well, very well done. I, I I I enjoyed it, and I got most of the stuff as well, which is nice. You know, uh, mind you, I've got better at that recently but with the amount of things I've watched. So, um, so also yeah. also a very good book as well. Yeah, um, I am um, all all written in the I think it NADSAT, the language they called it. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Um, I'd like. I, right. I'd really love to us to do an episode on that one day and do a proper deep dive into it because I understand that there's. You know, as Kubrick is, uh, the film was not an easy make. Um, well, he, he he did think it was uh, perverse and shouldn't be fit for human consumption. <laughs> was, uh, he did his best to lock it away for a long while. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, until he died. I think until he passed away. Yeah. Um. So uh, I won't do um too many more. Um. Well, I do two more. How's that? Uh, so I watched The Deep House, which is a film that I was wanting to watch, um, which is basically um, these two divers um, go down to a... It's like a found footage sort of film. They go down to this house that's obviously underwater. It's been affected by floods or whatever, and it's it's essentially a haunted house story, but it's underwater. So... The points go to the fact that it is really well filmed considering it's underwater. They use all all what they've got, but unfortunately it just it, it was very unoriginal. It, it, aside from that, you know, the haunted house aspect of it was very you know, like... Uh, it's a, a film that lives and dies by its premise. Yeah, basically, yeah. 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 So That's a shame. Yeah, it was it was a shame because it looks good and there's a lot of, of cleverness to it building up to it, but then when it, it gets into essentially the haunted house bit and it they you get a little bit of the law behind the haunted house, it's like, well, this is the same as every other haunted house film, so you're not giving me anything really. Uh, so it was a bit of a sh- it was a bit of a shame really, but um, I'll give that one a new. It's spooky, m- mostly based around the fact that it is something different. Um, to a degree, <laughs> if that makes sense. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, no, it's uh, yeah. To be honest, it's something that I think I've only just like seen the poster for. I think maybe when I was scrolling yeah. Netflix or something. So, right. The I mean, do, what do you think? Right. Do I give it a go? Um. Well, like I say, it's a new, it's spooky for me. I think, uh, I think you'd be, I honestly think you'd be on exactly the same page as me. I think you'd be impressed by the filmmaking, but ultimately, um, the plot's very unoriginal. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, why not? Uh, I don't think it's very long, so it's, um, you know, it's worth dipping into just, I like a film that's not too long. Um, and I think the last one I want to talk about is The Last House on the Left because it turns out I don't like early Wes Craven movies because I I didn't enjoy what was that film called? 
the Hills of Eyes. I didn't enjoy yeah. that because it was too silly. And I actually thought the last of the house on the left was a bit too silly. It's got this it I mean if you've seen it, it's got like this mo these moments of ultra violence, which I will say are, you know, well filmed and um the 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 fact the, the fact is they are very brutal, not easy to watch. Um and there's no um it's not celebrated violence. I think that's um that's what that's what I want to say. There's no you know, like a sort of Freddy or a Jason or anything like that. There's it's not a celebrated violence, it's it's awful violence. But it's surrounded by like a sort of stupid bits of it are stupid. It's got weird music um that doesn't fit the tone of the film and two police officers who are like comedy foils almost, but to the point of being ridiculous. Um, I mean, you. I, I assume. Have you seen Last Thirds on the Left? No, I've not seen it. Uh, I've not seen either of them. No, and then the back end of it, which is the sort of revenge bit, is shit. Uh, and I just really, really didn't enjoy it. Like it's one of those films where I watched it and I, go, I can see the impact of this, um, but overall, I thought it was it wasn't for me, but. Oh. Maybe I should watch the uh the, the Jennifer Lawrence one and we, we can we can share notes on it then. Yeah, I've heard uh, uh, I've heard good things about that actually as a remake goes, but um I mean maybe you should watch watch the original one because I think you know maybe you'd get more out of it than I did um in terms of the message I think that Wes Craven was trying to get across. Cause I think he, I understand going into the, it's a sort of, um, I can't remember why I decided to watch it, but um, there was a lot about Wes Craven who had seen some like, you know, Oh, this was because of the video nasty thing that I told you about. Um, which... Yeah. Well, when you said you watched a clockwork orange, I asked. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I thought that, that's where your kick was going. Yeah, right, yeah. So, um, and I think Wes Craven had decided that because there was a lot of these violent movies going around, he was like, well, I'll show you, I'll show you violence you don't want to watch, um, which is, but as I say, the, violence, the reason we don't want to watch it. Yeah, like the violence is done well, but the, uh, the just, it's just whatever the sort of surrounding of it is just stupid and takes away a lot, I think, from what he's trying to say. So no, I uh I didn't enjoy that at all. Um Oh dear. I'm I'm loath to give it a shit though, because I think it probably ha it probably has also got an impact on, you know, sort of how movies have gone since then. So I probably will give it a new it's spooky just for its legacy, if anything. Uh so yeah, I'm fickle. I'll say what I want. Um, I don't think we need to do do to do too too many more. I've watched loads of non horror films. Um, but uh, oh, actually, can I just mention Air while I'm here? Because <laughs> I've the uh, the the new one with uh, uh, Michael with Jordan. Yeah, I really quite enjoyed Air, but um, it's got this weird thing in it where it's like trying to build some form of tension whether Michael Jordan's going to sign the ship sign a deal or not, even though we know he's gonna. 
It's very weird. <laughs> but I know he's yeah, going to say. Yeah, it's kind of hard to uh, to build tension around that, isn't it? When it's it's hard to be invested in whether whether you know, like, well, we know what the outcome of this is going to be. But that said, it's well acted and it was very enjoyable. Um, yeah, I, I, both me and the other half enjoyed that one. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. I just thought it was weird that they were playing with. Well, that. There's this weird thing that's happening now, isn't there? Where the people are keep making movies for products, <laughs> which I think yeah. is is something that can by and large get in the bin. You know, <laughs> I, I don't. Well, I don't know. I saw that there's there's a movie about the flaming hot Cheeto and. I kind of bought into that one just because of how weird a thing it is to <laughs> to, you know, to to tell a story about. So I think that one I can kind of let it go. But I think there's like a a film coming out with uh, Will Ferrell in about the John Madden video games. And like, I don't like I don't need to know how EA made loads of money. Evil corporation stuff. That's how they made loads of money. I'm sure the games are fine, but. It was films about other stuff, please. Yeah, I suppose they're running out of ideas. There must be. Um. Anyway, that was the delightful slice of what have you been watching, Brad? Um. So let's get into the filling, which uh, I'm sure you all bought by now because that's the title of the episode. Uh, Pray for the devil. Pray for the devil. 2022. Uh. Yeah. I don't know why I, I I said it I said it right, but it doesn't feel like it says what it said. So it's pray as in you're my prey, but not. Oh, but, it, I've but it's wordplay, isn't it? Because I've got a prayer for the devil. Oh, I see. Pray is it? Yeah. Well, it <laughs> sounds like the word pray, which is what oh, what the people clever. are doing because they're all they're all priests and nuns and whatnot. Oh, I get it. Yeah, I get yeah, it. So it's. Oh, it's it's very clever. It's, it's got at least two layers. Yeah, at least two. Just it's those a, two. It's a Victoria sponge of a of a title. Oh, a sandwich almost. Almost a sandwich. <laughs> almost. Uh, it's, a, it's a sandwich without any filling. <laughs> so uh yeah, so this is 2022. So uh I remember that I remember going no no, I didn't go to the cinema. I remember seeing trailers for this in the cinema. In fact, the first time I saw a trailer for this, there was two trailers for it in the same film. Um, it's slightly different trailers, but the same, but the same movie. But we're back to back. It feels Very like good. a waste of the marketing budget, that doesn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so this movie was directed by Daniel Stamm, who I don't know who that is. I should have looked him up, but I didn't. Uh, Jacqueline Byers as Sister Anne. Christian Navarro as Father Dante, Colin Sol- Salmon, sorry, as Father Quinn, Virginia Madsen as Dr. Peters, and uh, Posey Taylor as Natalie. It was nice to see Virginia Madsen back. Um, hey, you're from Candyman, I said to myself. I'm mean, sure she's been in other stuff, but that's what I said to myself. Um, and I couldn't find budget information. Uh, for the life of me, but it boxed office at forty four point seven million, which I would get the feeling watching this, it's probably made money, but I wouldn't know by how much. Um, yeah, I would reckon. Uh, I reckon this has made a few quid. 
Yeah, it's it's hard it's hard to hard to say really because it's a bit tricky. Well, if you don't know what it is, but largely irrelevant. I think forty four point seven million is not bad, is it? I'd I'd take it. Yeah, well, if you, if you offered me that money, I'm I'm not going to turn it down. No, I would. Well, don't. Well, we've got the we've got the Patreon now, so don't worry. We'll, well, we, we'll, we'll, we'll have forty four million in no time, won't we? Yeah, we will. Easy, easy times. Um. So uh, let's get into it then. Okay. Uh, oh, I suppose I should really say what it's about, shouldn't I? So um, that'd be that'd be good, wouldn't it? And then people would know what it was about. Um. So let's see. Uh, in a res- in response to a global rise in demonic possessions, the Catholic Church reopens exorcism schools to train priests in the rite of exorcism. On this spiritual battlefield, an unlikely warrior rises, a young nun, Sister Anne, thrust in onto the spiritual front line with fellow student Father Dante. Sister Anne finds herself in a battle for the soul of a young girl and soon realizes the devil has her right where he wants her. Well, I read that off Letterbox. <laughs> um, yeah, that synopsis kind of <laughs> it's. I thought it kind of describes it perfectly. It doesn't at all at the same time. It tells you something and also tells you nothing. Mm. Um, so essentially, uh, Sister Anne, should we say, has been dealing with we'd probably say some sort of demonic thing for quite a long time because. We treat you to an opening of her as a little girl and her mum trying to get into her bedroom, which is quite a good opening scene, in fact. Um, as uh, you know, the mum's slowly, you know, going slightly crazy outside, starts headbutting the door a la a little bit hereditary, but not quite as scary. Um, it didn't see enough of a headbang in the door for me. I thought it felt a bit over too quickly. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, didn't, um, didn't generate the impact because of that. I thought, yeah, um, I'd almost say. That Sorry, I just derailed you completely, haven't I? No, because I was thinking I'd say that's almost this film's problem all the way through. Really, um, that it doesn't spend enough time with stuff, um, and it just sort of keeps clicking forward. I think, um, but we'll get there, um. So that's our opening, and then we sort of cut to uh, Anne, who is now a nun, and uh, she's having herself a little therapy session with uh, Dr. Peters, Virginia Madsen, and they're talking about um fact that the mum had schizophrenia, sort of undiagnosed, whereas, of course, Anne thinks that it was some sort of demonic possession. Um, I, think, I guess that's why she's at exorcist school. Um right, well I'm going to, to use this then as my thing that I, I quite I quite liked about this film. Because right. uh, films about religion, they're usually about crises of faith, aren't they? You know, people struggling with the belief in God and is God real and all you know, all those sorts of things. Uh if you if you want a perfect example of this, there is a really good film about exorcisms called The Exorcist that you should try. Uh, uh, it's like this one, but much better. 
And this film just doesn't do anything with that about questions of faith or anything. It's just like God is absolutely real in this film. Right. There's the the one character who kind of throws some shade at it, but doesn't really work because everything we see in this film is just God is real. Exorcisms are necessary. These people are all in real danger. Devil has powers. Devil's going to hurt these people. And like with the the exorcists, you know, sorry, the priests who are doing the exorcisms, they are that they're in school, so they're being trained. And say the teacher is basically telling them, if you go into this exorcism, the devil's going to prey on your weaknesses. And like that's interesting because the, when he says prey on the weaknesses, it's never they're going to cast doubt on your faith. They're going to ask questions of, of whether God is good or anything like that. It's always just like they, they challenge them for questionable stuff they've done in the past. You know, like Father Dante was talking about his sister, wasn't he? And mm-hmm. uh, for uh, Anne, it was the, well, the stuff that is revealed later on in the film. But it's it's never, you know, your God's not real or your God's a bad guy or anything. It's just God, God's real. This is all happening. Deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I'd agree with you there. It does have this um, level of, you know, this is what's happening, um, which kind of bugs me a little bit. Um, I don't mind the fact that, like you said, it, it, it it's doing this without the without questioning faith or anything like that, which is which is fine. Um, well, I think it. But I sort of it's they, a story that it wants to tell. Yeah, 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 yeah. That thing. I think if you try to throw in uh, questions of faith on top of that, it would just get get way too messy. Yeah, well, I, I, and I think uh, th- this film in in it's not it's not that it's not subtle, is it? It's not a subtle sort of film. It's not not it's, at all. No, it's not trying to tell a subtle story. It's going, you know, well, exactly like you said. Look, demons are real. The devil's real. We do ex we do exorcisms, um, which I kind of thought was a shame. Not a shame, but um, I felt that they jumped into that a little bit too quickly because I would have. I would have enjoyed them playing with the schizophrenia aspect just a little bit because she's got this sort of build-up and where she's walking around and she can hear whispering and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it would have been nice to play with that a little bit um, before actually going, oh, no, we do actually have demons. Um, but again, it's... Um, it's not that subtle of film. It this is this is a film about training exorcists to be exorcists, um, and so they 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 have to deal with the shit. And um, the main demon that we have to deal with is the the little girl Natalie, played by Ozzy Taylor, who I want to mention as being a very unconvincing normal little girl um, and an. <laughs> And an excellent little shit. <laughs> um, she's really great uh, when she's doing the sort of creepy, weird, you know, I'm out of my room for no particular reason, or then, you know, knocking around doing a 
her devil bits. Um, but when she's just being a little girl, it's not that she's unconvincing. It's just it's it's like there's nothing to it. But as soon as she sort of shines on the sort of d- demonic bit, it's like, ooh, this is interesting. Um, so it's nothing against the actor as such. I think they just uh, they didn't write her as being, I thought, a little girl particularly well. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I did, it didn't really write much particularly well. Uh, when you say that you know, it's not subtle and, and whatnot, that, that's it's kind of just the whole point of the movie. So I don't think there's anything in this that's really <laughs> not cliched in some way. Mm-mm. You know, this is entirely trading off stuff that's been done before. Uh, and I mean, in many cases done like 20 years ago, you know, and, and not just, you know, borrowing from the greats because that, that goes through everything, but just real, just 2002 filmmaking <laughs> in, a, in a lot of the stuff, especially the very last scene, which I thought, wow, this is, this is 90s action written all over it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but mm, well, I'll wait till my review before I start going into all that stuff. Um, but the demony stuff I thought was pretty good in general. Um, like you say, it's not breaking any, it's not doing anything particularly amazing. Um, but when they do get to the sort of exorcism parts, of which there are sort of two, maybe three, um. You know that initial that initial one with the little girl where she's up on the wall and zipping about and under the bed and all over the place. It's it's generally pretty pretty good stuff. You know, it's not scary, but it's like, yeah, I'll accept this as being demony stuff. Yeah, there's um, a couple of uh, bits where it flits in and out as well. I thought uh, just when that scene started going, we, we'd had a. We'd had one just before that, didn't we, as well, which was I thought was going to look very similar, where it was just sort of flashing lights covering up a bit of a dodgy, you know, dodgy bits and pieces. But when this one, you know, this second one with the little girl got going, like I say, it did a lot of the the physical stuff really well. And like when the you know the scene was was left to breathe a little bit more, and it was, you know, we, we got a few of those little bits where we had some body horror and a uh, little, little pan's labyrinth nod with the, uh, with the hands over the eyes as well, which I thought was, you know, a little bit creepy and, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, interesting. Good. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, there's a second, maybe a, well, the sort of second exorcism really where, um, they visit, visit father Dante's, um, sister and, she having lost a baby, but then the sort of demon starts growing her stomach, which is clear. It was clearly a practical effect. And I, I'm not going to say it was probably easy enough to do, but it looked good. Um, it looked painful and I, I didn't want anything to burst out of her stomach. Um, no, it didn't, didn't go the full alien, thankfully. No, it didn't go the full alien. Um, which was, uh, yeah. So yeah, like I say, the sort of exorcisty stuff was good uh, in general. Um, I think mostly the, some of the things that bugged me about this was um, 
plot points where it wasn't quite sure what it was doing. Um, for example, um, the, the, the suggestion is that Anne has got some sort of, um, you know, natural exorcism about her. Um, you know, yeah, like, oh, she's, she's sort of chosen got, by God to serve in his army or something, wasn't like, it? She's got a talent for it, but I, uh, for me, at no point does she ever really prove that that's the case. Um, because one that she does do, she does, she fucks up completely. Um, and well, she she kind of doesn't, doesn't though, doesn't she? What they say that the demon went into hiding because they knew they were getting beat, so they hid and waited for it to go and then came back out, which like, yeah, quite, quite clever. <laughs> Yeah, but she's either got a natural affinity for it or she hasn't. It's it. She either can do it. So, someone that attuned to it would would know that, wouldn't you? You'd think it just sort of seems like they they give you this suggestion, and then um, it 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 feels like she doesn't know what she's doing, um, and then to to that end, um, they. Get well, they don't actually. She gets rid of herself, but she gets in trouble for breaking the rules for doing an exorcism without asking. And then later on, she does the same thing, and then she gets promoted to the only girl exorcist there's ever been. Or, you know, uh, well, the film tells you other than that, but it's like, and that bugged me as well because it's like either rules are rules, you know, either, either. So it's, it's like it's okay to break the rules if you do a good job. But if you do a bad job, it's not okay to break the rules. And I'm like, no, rules are rules. <laughs> you either can or can't do it. Uh, yeah. I mean, even though obviously she did save someone's life, but it still annoyed me. Uh, <laughs> Never realised you were such a stickler. I don't, I don't even think that I am. But in that particular case, I was like, oh, it was it was annoying me because I'm like, I'm like, the rules are either you can or you can't do it. It's not the rules are. It's okay to do it if you do a good job. Um, you know, very frustrating. Yeah, I think as well, it kind of, it had this other thing where it didn't quite know what to do when it had the, the two threads that were going through it, where it was, you know, is it this girl boss story in the Catholic Church or was it this you know, generational trauma story that they're, they're trying to go through. But, and, you know, neither of them were really, like, taken anywhere interesting. No, no. And that's a sort of um, part of this film's problem, I think, is that it's that, that it's on, it's, it's got the sort of bones of an interesting story. I'm always saying bones of something. Uh, it's got the bones of an interesting story, but it, what it wants to do is tell you this exorcism story. So it's like, oh, remember that bit? And you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, let's just keep going. Um, and um, yeah, let's see. What other things do they want to say? Oh, yeah, well, how come she keeps showing up casual? I thought nuns always had to be dressed like nuns. She often seems like she's some biker chick who's got a job. Don't you think? Yeah, 
yeah, to be honest, I I don't know all that much about nuns, which is strange because you know, it's fifteen years of Catholic school on the way about not that many, but uh, you know, primary and secondary school is both Catholic school, and we never we never met nuns. How many have you met? None. Um, hey. I, I've, I've seen some in public, you know, and, and they're always in, in full garb. But maybe we're seeing nuns all the time. We just don't realize it because they're in they're in the street clothes. Yeah, maybe. Maybe she's just a rebel nun. Maybe she's like Sister Act nun. Oh, yeah, I'll do whatever I want. You can't stop me. She, she's no Whoopi Goldberg. You can't stop me, Jesus. I'll do whatever I want. That sort of thing. Uh, so that was weird. Now, here's, there's not much more to say, so I think if we get sort of head towards the end. Now, what did you think of the fact that it turned out that Natalie was the, was um, her daughter that she'd had? Um, Oh, that was part of the plot that I didn't mention, that um, one of the reasons I think she turned to being a nun is because she had this uh, daughter that she didn't know who the father was and gave her up for adoption. But then it turned out that Natalie, the girl possessed is, um, was her daughter that she gave up for adoption. Did you think it was a bit thrown in or do you think it worked well, as I think part of the, the story? It was that what we said, wasn't it? With that, If it's about this story about, you know, generational issues and motherhood and, you know, trying to make up for the, the mistakes of your past, the mistakes of your parents and things like that. Then, then it's perfectly fine. But the problem was is that it was something that was never mentioned until that one scene where the demon goes, "Hey, you you had that kid once," and then you go, "All oh, right, there's there's one child in this movie, so it's obviously going to be her." <laughs> you know, and it, it it just loses all of its. You know, there's no impact to it when you've tried to bring it out as a reveal later. She's like, there's there's one child. Who else is it gonna be? <laughs> and and if there isn't, you know, if if the child's not going to play a part in it, well, what's what's the point? What what's the point in bringing it up? Yeah, yeah. Because it's you know they didn't really use it as this sort of they'd never expressed that she was tortured from something else previously, wasn't it? It was all just about her mother. About her is, mother, yeah. The, the fact that they've thrown a child into the mix, you know, developed properly would have been fine, but they just they just threw it in as a reason to have a thing happen. extra stakes at the end of it, but mm. stakes we didn't care about. That's very true. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, so, I mean, ultimately she shows up and sort of sucks. Well, they always say the devil, but surely the devil's not possessing all these people, or is he? I suppose he's an angel or whatever. I'm not... Oh, I've, I've At the beginning of the film, the uh, the the big exorcist teacher, he, he says that demons are foot soldiers of the devil, aren't they? So, you know, maybe... I, I don't know, maybe they're all some sort of demons. I don't think they really ever given names, are they? It's just always... Always the devil. Always the devil. Yeah, so anyway, so she sucks the, the demon out of the daughter and then she bites it a little bit and then jumps into a 
fountain of holy water or a well of holy water. Um, and then when she comes out, she's all right. And then they go, oh, you did a really good job there, uh, even though you broke the rules. Um, now go be an exorcist. And then it's got this weird ending where she's in a cab on the way to somewhere. The Vatican, the Vatican, the Vatican, the Vatican and um, what the cab driver's a demon. And then there's a woman who's blind. And then it goes, dun, 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 next, next time on Soul for the Devil. or it, Yeah, they were. Uh... It te- it's The game is on on this one. They had an unearned sense of uh, accomplishment with this one, the assumption that they were going to get a sequel. <laughs> yeah, they did, yeah. I mean, yeah. So that's sort of the movie, really. Um, so just you- before that we go into, uh, into reviewing this, uh, I, I just want to, to mention, we were speaking earlier about you know, the writers and and whatnot, and whether they they you know were, were all faith themselves and things. You know, where, where, if they're writing from that perspective, I actually uh, noticed that the writer for this, uh, one of the three writers, is Robert Zapier, right? And I just had a look at his IMDb, and he did. Uh, H2O, your Halloween 20 years later. And then I also noticed that he's he is the man responsible for those knockoff DVDs that you would find in, in high street retail shops. Uh, so he's the writer for films like Chop Kick Panda, <laughs> uh, Puss in Boots, A Furry Tale, and uh, the Happy Feet knockoff Tappy Toes. <laughs> and they were all in 2011. He had a he had a bumper year that year. I want to see those films. I want to see Tappy Toes. I imagine it's awesome. I didn't really yeah, like Happy it's... Feet. I mean, just bear in mind that he's uh, he's written all these, and whether he deserves a favorable review from us with that in mind. <laughs> well, that was interesting. So um, let's see. I don't. I don't think we had any Facebooks because, um, as per usual, I didn't post it in time. Um, so the letterbox for this is two point two, which is pretty low, I'd say. Um, Rotten Tomatoes was a sixty nine percent audience score, nice, and IMDb's at five point three, and uh, I guess we should give it our review. Um, for me. Do you know what? I, I wasn't not entertained by this film. I, that's what I would say about it. It wasn't good, and I was, but I didn't not enjoy it. If that makes any sense, um, it moves along at a decent pace. It doesn't waste any any time. But in some cases, like we said, it could have done with wasting just a little bit of well, not wasting, but building a bit more of the characters. But aside from that, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a new. It's spooky because um, there's nothing particularly terrible about it, but nothing particularly great about it. Um, so yeah, that's what I say. 
Okay, I'm going to say that the that the setting for this film is is the perfect metaphor for my uh, my opinions on it because it's it's set largely in this school in in Boston and it's supposed to be like a church religious school also a medical center and I'm looking at it and it's thinking there's there's nowhere near enough playing with the religious elements of it and, and giving us that symbolism and, and those aesthetics. And at the same time, the hospital side of it just wasn't sterile enough and it wasn't characterless enough that it, that it should have been to feel, you know, soulless and lacking. And that's pretty much exactly what I feel is that they've, they've taken these elements and they've just left them underdeveloped. They've not picked the right thing that they want to do. Uh, but at the same time, the thing that they have done, it, it's functional. It kind of gets the job done in some ways. And mm. yeah, I'm, I'm with you in that it's, you know, it. Th- there's nothing offensive about this film. Uh, there's, there's just nothing particularly good about it. You know, it's, uh, it, it just keeps itself out of that, that shit category just by being, you know, short, <laughs> really, you're know, breezy yeah, and, and brief. Sure. And but I will give it, it's not boring. I don't think it's boring. No, um, I wouldn't say so, no. Which, which is something for it. At least you can sit through it. Um, you know, I didn't even have to switch. I didn't even have to have a break for this one. I just watched the whole thing, which is pretty good for me. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's it's breezy, it's lightweight, it's not particularly scary. Uh, you know, I don't think anyone's anyone's going to come away and just think, oh, you know, that was the, the worst thing I've ever seen or anything. It's right, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's got enough about it just to sort of allow people to just switch off and let it wash over them. Yeah, it sort of fits into that category that you've talked about before. That sort of that sort of teen horror starter horror film, really. Um, it yeah, it's pretty good. No, yeah, it's I not can good. imagine that. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I remember when it did come out last year. It came out around the same time as Smile, right? And you know, it's it's nowhere near as good or as interesting as Smile. No. But I, you know, I can imagine that, you know, groups of 13, 14 year olds would probably get a big kick out of this in the cinema. Mm. You know, there's enough. Yeah, it definitely fits that category. Little scares that, that would get people that age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, lovely. Well, there you go, then. That's the filling. That's the pray for the devil filling, which, um, based on us, was an ooh, it's spooky. So. If you want to waste an hour and a half, and I'm sure you'll be all right with this one. Um, although I imagine we could come up with a lot of 90 minute horror movies. There, there, yeah, there are almost certainly a lot of them that are, are stronger than this, but yeah, it's funny that in it, horror movies often sit in that 90 minute <laughs> category. They... It's a, the best length for a film. Yes, I agree. I, yeah, I think agree. it's got to be, you've got to be a properly special film to, I agree, to be allowed to go over. Two hours. Yeah. Actually, sidetracker. Uh, apparently, Bo is Afraid is like three hours 19 or something. Um, 
which... Uh, no, don't, don't get me started on that. Oh, well, you tell not, me... Not impressed with Audion uh, in my area, just not showing it at all. No, they're not showing it at mine either. Um, you can go to the Everyman to see it, but it's on, I guess because it's such a long thing, it's on at like 7 o'clock, which I just can't get that out of the house at that time. I think that they're doing... I think they're doing like a one-off next week. As a like a, here's a film you missed sort of screening. Uh, so I'm going to have to to see it much later than everyone else. Then sorry, I didn't miss it. I wanted to see it. Yeah, yeah, uh, lovely. So sorry we sidetracked you there, everyone. But uh, you know, that's what we do here. We, you know, yeah, well, we, there isn't a tangent we won't take. No, I basically got ADHD. So if you don't like it, um, ice cream, ice cream. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If you don't like it, something. Um, so yeah, so let's get into the final slice of bread. So we're going to do the second, second. You're you're pitching something. You're doing a pitch. Yeah. So uh, my my adaptations that, oh, that I it. think should be made. That's it. So this one, I I picked this book. Uh, I read it a few weeks ago, and I picked this book knowing absolutely nothing that we were going to talk about in the film. So I don't know by just luck, I guess we we've I've come across a film that is very similar in a lot of ways to the one that we've just spoken about. All right. Okay. Uh, so. Uh, I'm going to be pitching the adaptation for Paul Tremblay's A Head Full of Ghosts. Oh, yes. So uh, I, I believe this one is quite a, a big deal in, in literary circles. It's a book that put uh, Paul Tremblay on the map, and he's, uh, yeah, he's had quite a lot of success. Uh, Stephen King's a big fan of him, which is you're punching your ticket when you get that sort of uh, approval in horror circles. And Paul Tremblay, for anyone who doesn't know, is the guy who wrote uh, The Cabin at the End of the World, which was adapted into Knock at the Cabin this year for uh, M. Night Shyamalan. All right. And Head Full of Ghosts, I think he was written before. I think it was his debut novel, which I'm not 100% on that. And it's actually been stuck in development hell for a few years now. Uh, so it's the team Downey that have the rights to it. So Robert Downey Jr. and his wife. And they put out in, I think, 2020 that they were they were making it with the uh, with Margaret Qualley, uh, who was going to be casting it. And Scott Cooper was going to direct. And he recently did the Pale Blue Eye uh, for Netflix, the Edgar Allan Poe film. All right. And he also did Antlers, uh, which came out a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. But that looks kind of just stuck in, stuck in development, maybe dead. You know, who knows what, what's happening with that film you know, in, in that iteration. So I'm going to grab a hold of it and do something, uh, do something myself with it. 
so for anyone who doesn't know, the book is uh, about a small family just outside Boston. And uh, what happens is the family are going through a lot of troubles and the father loses his job. It leaves the, uh, the wife, his wife as the sole breadwinner for the, the family. And then they have two daughters and one of them uh, appears to be going through some severe mental episodes or possibly is being possessed by a demon. So similar to what we spoke about today, it's set in Boston. It's oh. about possessions and demons and, and that sort of thing. Uh, but unlike this one, uh, the, the father for the family, he's sort of a born-again Catholic. So he begins talking to a priest who believes that they need an exorcism, uh, but also as a result of the family's financial situation, they have a TV show made about the whole thing. Uh, so a TV show, hidden camera in, you know, in the house, follows the events, and then the idea is that they're going to do a, a possession, uh, sorry, an exorcism, as like the, the final episode of the show and, uh, that sort of thing. And then the story is being told to us by, well, a few different ways. There is a, a blogger recounting the TV show and then the youngest girl of the family, who is, is pretty much our narrator through through most of it, uh, recounting it as, as an adult to uh, a journalist because the family have all wound up dead apart from her. Oh, so yeah, there's, there's there is a lot going on in this, and I, I'm loath to say more because it's something that relies very heavily on unreliable narrators. Uh, it brings up a lot of questions that don't really have answers or do depend on your interpretation. It's all it's very interesting. There's some some very good uh, scary scenes in it. And I think it's it would make for a really excellent film. So I've I've put it to put it together as uh, as to how I would make it. Uh, so the the first character as I was reading the book, which popped into my head, and I just thought this there is only one man who can do this. Uh, so the the character is is you know the patriarch of the family. It's, he's called John Barrett. And he is an out-of-work man from the Boston area. So he's exhausted, crabby, tired. He just seems to be done with all this shit. So, I mean, that to me just says Ben Affleck. <laughs> you know, every picture of Ben Affleck you see on the internet is a grumpy man from Boston who's tired and had enough of the world. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but on top of that, you know, I don't, remember ever seeing Ben Affleck in a horror film and you know let, let's let's test his acting chops a bit you know you, yeah. you've done the, the the light comedies and the, the dramas let's let's make you let's make you scared yeah I like Ben Affleck yeah and for for his wife Sarah uh, I stumbled onto this one completely by accident uh, because I was just checking just to make sure Ben Affleck was from from Boston. So I thought he was, but I wasn't 
you know, hundred percent. So I'm doing my due diligence for this. And uh, it came up that Uma Thurman is also from the region. And, you know, I, I love Uma Thurman. She's, she's great. And I've not seen her in much stuff for years. So can we, can we get Uma Thurman back on the air list, please? Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and say she's, she's a really great actress. I'm sure she could turn a hand to pretty much anything. And yeah, let's, let's get her in that. Uh, So next we, we have the, the tricky task of casting uh, Marjorie Barrett, who is the the possessed uh, child in this. So in the book, she's around 14, I think. So we want someone, I'd probably say, just a little bit older than that, just to make it, make some of the stuff that happens in the book just a bit more affecting. You just want an older actress who's got a little bit more work under her belt to, you know, maybe pull some of those, the more difficult stuff off. And I really liked the the girl in Logan, Daphne Keane. So see if you if you've seen Logan, you'll you'll know she's really good in that. Uh, she, she's got this. Uh, emotional heartbeat that that carries mm. it through the film, but she's also pulls some of the like the nastiest, angriest faces. Right, and yeah. I think when someone's, you know, being portrayed as either a being possessed by a demon or b displaying severe, violent, you know, mental episodes, you kind of want someone that's going to be able to pull horrible, nasty faces like that, and. You know, I right. think she's she carried the uh, his Dark Material series. You know, on that, you know, she was a lead through that. So I think, you know, I think she's got enough to carry this through and, and you know, be the character that the film hinges on. Right. Yeah. And then the the well, the penultimate character who's who's got a child role and an adult role for the for this uh, is going to be young Mary uh, or Meredith. So this one, yeah, this one was really tricky. So for the child, I mean, realistically, if you are going to make this, you're going to have to get an unknown, you know, an audition a kid for it because just just how child actors work, they they age out of the role very quickly, don't they? Mm. Uh, But if you said, you know, it's going to go into production tomorrow and, and move from there, I thought that young Nell Fisher from... Evil Dead Rise. Oh yes, yeah, she, yeah. Was, she was wonderful in that. You know, she was really sweet. She was, you know, she made you care about her, and she, she'd basically have the same job again in this. Mm. It's a very similar character. Uh, you know, where things around her are, are being scary, and you know, she's sort of the audience eyes and ears for it. And. The grown-up version of her, I would like to see Millie Bobby Brown do it because it's a character who carries quite a bit of sadness uh, with her, uh, but also this kind of strange optimism in that her life's moving on. And I think, 
you know, maybe it's time that we we test Millie Bobby Brown a bit as an actress because she's, you know, she's done Stranger Things and, uh, you know, like the Enola Holmes and stuff. Uh, but I don't think we've we've really, you know, given her uh, that nudge into being the proper actress that, that might be there. Right. And also, you know, a, a big part of it is that you need to believe that, that you know, the family are related and that the uh, brother and, you know, that they're, they're going to be sisters. And I think, you know, that the looks are there enough for that. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the, the the last role, that there's probably three more sort of major characters. We've only, we've only done one more, and that's the uh, the priest. Uh, is like the sympathetic ear for the the dad in the family. Uh, also, be, you know, because of that unreliable narrator thing that goes through, kind of not sure if he's exploiting the family with the TV show idea to, you know, to, to promote the church and whatnot. So, I think that Steve Buscemi would be great at that because, <laughs> similar to Uma Thurman, we don't really see Steve Buscemi in enough stuff anymore, and no, we don't. Uh, you know, I think he has that. That wholesome side to him and that you know, supportive, uh, nice guy attitude, but also can be quite slimy and sleazy when he wants to be too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think stick him in some priest garb, and I reckon, yeah, I reckon we'd be kicking. Yeah, it sounds good. Um, yeah, well, well, we've only got one role to fill then now, which ooh. is who's going to direct it. So, weirdest probably part of this for me was that the film that uh, I was thinking of most when I thought, you know, who would I like to see direct this was uh, a film from 2005 called The Cock and Bull Story, or depending on where you are in the world, it was called Tristram Shandy in some places. Right. It is a film with Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon basically making, it's a film about making a film. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just thought, you know, those touches of being able to handle uh, filming a fake production sort of thing was what what drew me to it. And it's directed by Michael Winterbottom, uh, who's done loads and loads of, you know, wild, varied, you know, popular indie documentary films. But don't, to my mind, I don't think he's ever done you know, proper out-and-out budget horror film. And, you know, he's a a guy I think it would appeal to because he's, you know, he's not had that chance to to stretch his legs. And I think it's a creative itch that he might want to scratch. And I reckon he'd do a good job. Wow. Yeah, no, he hasn't dipped his toe into um, horror at all. So, yeah, I think that's... It sounds like an excellent movie. It sounds like a good book, actually. I think I'm going to read it. Um, Because it kind of sounds like my sort of thing. Um, Yeah, I I strongly recommend the book. I had had a lot of time with it. And uh, if anyone who uh, has read it or or does want to read it, please come and talk to me, right? Because I I have theories, but I don't really know many other people who've read it. So I (laughs) can't really talk about it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to add that to my list of books that I need to read. In fact, I'll uh, I'll get on it immediately and without question. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to you making this movie now. 
Um, I really like the idea of the sort of um, the sort of TV show, and I think that would probably be my favorite part of it. Um, because I I'd love to see how they go about filming that, and um, does it become a popular TV show or? Uh, yes, yeah, it does. Oh, right. uh, so the, the there is a one of the characters. Uh, you know, it's all told, sort of from the present day, looking backwards at it. Oh, right, okay. The ways it does that is a character writing a blog about the show because it would you know, it's a popular show, and also it when sort of the, the looking back, uh, you also you know hear that. Uh, that the possessed girl's been taken out of school because she can't handle the the attention she's getting from the TV show and whatnot. So, all right, okay. It sounds it sounds really interesting. Um, it sounds like it'd probably be a better short run TV series than it would a movie. Um, but uh, well, I think if you if you wanted to, you really could make just the TV show, you know, for it. You know, the the, the show right. within the book, you could just. Have that as a show if you really want to do. I think. Yeah. No, it's good. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to if Robert Downey Jr. manages to make it. Now, uh, he'll probably cast himself, won't he? Well, you know, if if you, I reckon he'd, he'd have the chops to pull off Father Wonderly as uh, the priest character. Yeah, yeah, he's got a bit of he. He's a bit of a twat, isn't he? <laughs> Yeah, but he is. Yeah, he's. I think uh, being so tied into Iron Man has made people forget, you know, what a good actor he he certainly was back in the day. Yeah, I didn't like him in Chaplin either. Oh, I know it was probably a controversial opinion, right? He's um, kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Is he? Oh well, yeah, like, I'll watch. Film. I'll watch that instead then. Um... Well, lovely, and that was the last slice of bread. Um, we uh, oh, let us know what you think. Um, oh, I, I, here's an interesting one. Let us know if there's a book you'd like us, or you'd like Matthew to read. And uh, what is it? Pitch and, and pitch, well, a pitch an adapt- adaptation. A, a pitch and adaptation. Thank you. Uh, yes, I mean, I, I didn't ask you if that was all right, but so what. Uh, <laughs> right, so yeah, lovely. Um, what we're we doing now, we're leaving, aren't we? So, we, yeah, we're, we're leaving, but before we do, we'll just remind everyone to uh, to please leave us a five star review, it's a very nice thing to do, and it helps us get the uh, the podcast seen by more people, uh, you know, gives us more listeners, and also just makes us feel you know nice and fuzzy inside. Yeah, it does make us feel nice and fuzzy inside. Um, mind you, that could yeah. be that could be some weird health issue. <laughs> if you, uh, you know, also do want to talk to us about this film or you know the, the book or you know get in touch with us about anything, uh, anything that you'd want to hear, you know, join the Facebook group. You know, post some news about Five Nights at Freddy's in there if you want, and you know, we'll, we'll all have a chat. We're all very friendly in there. Yeah, I'll post. I'll post some nudes about Five. No. Um. Anyway, no, no nude bears, animatronic yeah. or otherwise. No. Yeah. Sorry. Um. Matthew's trying to do the actual thing, and I'm just—I don't know what I'm doing. Um. Anyway, enjoy your sandwich. Let's go. Bye bye. Here's some.
Here's some fries to go with it. All right. Bye.